Welcome to the Classic Speeches Podcast, presented by BYU Speeches, bringing you treasured talks from 70 years of BYU devotionals. Be sure to also check out our newly released podcast entitled By Study and by Faith, showcasing BYU devotionals that blend reason and science with faith, university disciplines with discipleship, and the scholarly with the sacred. Visit speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more details. It's a great honor to be here this morning, fellow students, members of the faculty, and witness the presentation of these awards to those who have achieved. But as I have looked at them, they don't look any different than the rest of you sitting out there. When I think of achievement, I think of the salesman who sold two milking machines to a farmer who only had one cow, (laughs) and then he took the cow as a down payment. I can't think of any greater achievement than that in the field of salesmanship. (laughs) I hope that someday someone with money, it won't be me, of course, (laughs) will make an award to the individual in the school who puts forth the greatest effort to achieve and yet doesn't make the end result. I studied law with a young man in George Washington University who never passed in any of his subjects except one. And the professor of that class was called before the faculty and reprimanded for passing him. (laughs) He was told that he certainly knew that this young man wasn't passing in that class. And the reply of the professor was that to get to his own office in the school, he had to go through the law library. And he said, every time I go through that law library to my office, this young man is there studying. Doesn't matter whether it's a holiday or between classes or in the evening. He is there digging out the law. He says, I pass him because of the effort he is making to learn. And he says, someday he will be a valuable man in some law firm because he'll know where to find the law. He'll know what books to refer to. So this professor passed him because of the effort he was putting forth. I wish I had had professors like that while I was going to school. (laughs) I saw one of my high school professors the other day who now lives in Honolulu. I met him in a restaurant. And he reminded me that I took first-year French from him for two years, that I, that I got a better grade the first year than I did the second. <laughs> it all goes to show that the, what is it, the battle isn't to the strong, the race of the swift, nor the battle of the strong, but to him that endureth to the end. That's achievement, endurance. That's great achievement. And I know that as we go through life, those of us who are getting older every day, that the greatest achievement in life is not the acquisition of money. The greatest achievement to me is coming to the end of one's days, having been true and loyal to his ideals. 
I can think of no achievement greater than that. Maybe you've heard this report of a meeting that was held in the Edgewater Beach Hotel in Chicago in 1923. I'm gonna read it to you on this occasion. A very important meeting was held at the Edgewater Beach Hotel in Chicago in 1923. Attending this meeting were 10 of the world's most success successful businessmen and financiers. Those present were the president of the largest independent steel company, the president of the National City Bank, the president of the largest utility company, the president of the largest gas company, the greatest wheat speculator, the president of the New York Stock Exchange, a member of the president's cabinet, the greatest bear in Wall Street, head of the world's greatest monopoly, president of the Bank of International Settlements. These were the men at that meeting in 1923. And we must admit that here were gathered a group of the world's most successful businessmen men in the business of making money. At least, men who had found the secret of making money. But 25 years later, let's see where these men are. The president of the largest independent steel company, Charles Schwab, died a bankrupt and lived on borrowed money for five years before his death. The president of the greatest utility company, Samuel Insel, died a fugitive from justice and penniless in a foreign land. The president of the largest gas company, Howard Robson, is now insane. The greatest wheat speculator, Arthur Cutton, died abroad insolvent. The president of the New York Stock Exchange, Richard Whitney, was recently released from Sing Sing Penitentiary. <laughs> the member of the president's cabinet, Albert B. Fall, was pardoned from prison so he could die at home. <laughs> the greatest bear in Wall Street, Jesse Livermore, died a suicide. The head of the greatest monopoly, Ivor Kruger, died a suicide. The president of the Bank of International Settlement, Leon Fraser, died a suicide. All of these men learned well the art of making money, but not one of them learned how to live. What an achievement, the lives of these great businessmen and financiers. All they learned was the art of making money, and generally when a man makes money, he thinks he has achieved that which is greater than any other thing on earth. Money is, of course, very necessary. It's a necessary evil. I wish I had more of it. <laughs> but I would rather know how to live <clears throat> and have ideas and ideals to live to than acquire wealth. <clears throat> because I know when I come to die that it doesn't matter how much money others may have, they won't go with any more than I go with. Achievement, it's a wonderful thing. I think now of Michael J. Dowling, young lad who fell off of a wagon in a blizzard in Michigan when he was 14 years of age, before his parents had discovered that he had fallen from the rear of the wagon. He had been frostbitten. His right leg was amputated almost to the hip, his left leg above the knee, his right arm was amputated, his left hand was amputated. Not much future for a young lad like that, was there? You know what he did? He went to the board of county commissioners and he told them that they would educate him, that he would pay them back every penny. After 
the last war, or during the first war, rather, Mr. Dowling, who was then president of one of the largest banks in St. Paul, went to Europe to visit the soldiers, to visit those who were wounded. I remember reading that on one occasion he was in a large hotel in London, and he had these wounded soldiers in their wheelchairs down in the lobby. He was up on the mezzanine floor, and he started to ridicule them for complaining about their wounds, the fact that one had lost an eye, another had lost an arm, and he got those fellows so wrought up that they started to boo him. And then he walked over to the stairway coming down to the lobby, and he kept on telling them how fortunate they were, and they kept on booing. And finally, he sat down on one of the steps and took off his right leg. And then he kept on talking to them and telling them how well off they were. Well, they calmed down a little bit, but they continued to boo him. Then he took off his left leg. <laughs> well, the booing stopped then. But before he, re he arrived at the bottom of the stairs, he had taken off his right arm and flipped off his left hand. And there he stood, there he sat rather, just a stump of a body. <laughs> well, Michael Dowling was the president of one of the biggest banks in St. Paul. He married and was the father of five children. Now, is there anybody here complaining because they can't get an education? Because someone is more fortunate than they? Because they have some impairments or infirmities that prevent them from getting ahead? Just think of Michael Dowling. He knew how to live and he knew how to make money and he knew how to rear a family. And he finally died because of the exertion he underwent in encouraging the wounded soldiers of the First War. A lot of instances like that in history. When I was employed in the Senate, I remember two senators who were both blind, Senator Gore of Oklahoma and Senator Shaw of Minnesota, both blind. I remember Senator Shaw especially, he chewed tobacco. And I've never seen a more perfect shooter in all my life. <laughs> He would sit in his chair in the Senate, and then with his feet, he would get the cuspidor in the right spot, and then he would sit there. I used to stand there by the hour and watch him. <laughs> Never missed. <laughs> Never missed and couldn't see a thing. But he made a basket every time. <laughs> he could have been a great ball player here on the BY basketball team. Man so expert in that. Senator Gore used to go to all the ball games, but it was known that cussed the empire like Senator Gore. <laughs> he couldn't see the ball players, he should, couldn't see the plays, but he'd catch the spirit of it. <laughs> and he'd go to the movies. <laughs> he'd go to the movies and he'd have uh, one of his clerks with him to, they didn't have talkies in those days, but the clerk would read the headings on the screen and he would appreciate the picture. And so, men with these great handicaps achieve, so why can't we? We can all achieve. At least we can put forth the effort. And maybe we will find a, a professor now and again who will pass us because of the effort we're putting forth rather than because of the grades we're not getting. I think now of the great play, Serrano de Bergerac. Edmund Roston, I think, was the author of it. Brother Pardo can correct me. I saw that many years ago. Walter Hampton played it. 
I always remember the final scene in that great play. It's been in the movies recently. Many of you may have seen it. But you know, Serrano was a man with a long proboscis or nose or whatever you call them. People made fun of him if, except when they were in his presence, only behind his back. They ever talked about that nose in his presence, it meant a duel. Well, old Serrano, he was disappointed in love. He had the dear John experience. <laughs> but a greater lover never lived than Serrano. He was in love with this beautiful woman, and she thought she was in love with someone else. But at the end of the play, she is in the garden of a convent. Serrano, on a Saturday, would go to the convent garden and visit with her and tell her all the news. On the last visit, he arrived with his head bandaged. And she saw that he was dying. Now, up until the time he wore this bandage, he always wore a helmet. And in the helmet was a white plume. That white plume was the symbol of his ideals, symbols of his ethics, and love and war and everything he did. There he was in the garden, visiting with the woman whom he had loved and lost. And then, uh, with his dying strength, his last breath, he stood before her and said these words as he took his, he took his sword from the scabbard, as I recall, and held it attention. And he said, one thing I take with me, unsullied and unbent, to sweep with grandeur the threshold of heaven as I pass, and that is my panache, my plume. What an achievement. This man who had been disappointed in his love affairs, who had been defeated in war, who could come to the last day of his life and say with his dying breath, I go true to my ideals. Now, brothers and sisters, we have ideals. They're the highest in the world. No one has higher ideals. No one's plume is whiter than the plume you and I wear in our helmets. Our greatest purpose in life to achieve should be to come to the last day and say with Serrano that we take with us clean and unsullied our ideals. And if we can do that, Indeed, we will sweep with grandeur the threshold of heaven as we pass, and we will enjoy the fraternity of him who was perfect. We all have that opportunity to achieve. There is no institution in the world better than this to give us the urge the ambitious purpose to keep the plume white so that it will sweep with grandeur the threshold of heaven. 
I congratulate those who have received these awards. I congratulate you who have not received them. One lesson necessary for all of us to learn in life is to rejoice in the other man's victory. If we can learn to rejoice in the other man's victory, then sometimes we have achieved something greater than even he or she who has received a reward for outstanding achievement in their scholastic and athletic field. I ask God to bless you all, to bless those who have received these awards. May they appreciate those who have assisted them to achieve. I see my friend Huey Woodford down here from Australia. He has a brother who was a colonel in the Australian Army. He received the award, the Order of the British Empire from the King. They call it the OBE. And on the occasion of the investiture, his brother said, of course, you know what OBE stands for, don't you? He says it stands for Other Boys' Efforts. Wonderful. But he didn't say boys. They have an expression in the English language which isn't very good, and it begins with a B, and that's what he used. <laughs> but I call it Other Boys' Efforts. <laughs> so whenever I see anyone receiving an award, I think of Colonel Woodford who accepted that award because he knew he received it due to other people's efforts. Due to his battalion, his outfit in the war. And so I know there are a lot involved in the achievement of those who have received these awards. I hope they will not be forgotten. God grant that we may be faithful and loyal to our ideals, the ideals of this institution. God bless it that it may grow. God bless those who offer these awards, who appreciate this institution and what it affords young men and women in the way of learning the art of living, the art of achieving, the art of keeping the plume white. God bless us all, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to the Classic Speeches podcast presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts, including recent speeches, updated weekly with new talks given on BYU campus, as well as other speeches compilations on love and marriage, overcoming adversity, by study and by faith. Come follow me, the prophet Joseph Smith, and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.